This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, January 10th, 2016. By the numbers, two choices. That's what we're talking today, talking about today, choice by the numbers. We have two choices, really, one to follow God or not. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection Church and a sinner who has been saved by God's grace. Would you pray with me, please? Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord. Lord, right now we just pray that you would continue to open our hearts and minds for all that you have for us. We pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would receive a word from you today, a word specifically for us that will help change and transform us into the person that you would have us be. We thank you for this time, and we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So good morning again. Today we continue our series, By the Numbers where we're looking at significant events between Jesus' birth and the beginning of his ministry. So as the message unfolds today, I want you guys to put yourself into the story, maybe in Mary or Joseph's life, in Joseph's shoes, or shall we say, in their sandals, to get a better idea of just how blessed we are that they made the choice to follow God. A choice that continues to impact even us today, Just imagine the difference we can make by choosing to follow God's direction, too. So Christmas has passed, the New Year's come and gone, and most of us are back to our routines. The shepherds, they're back to tending the flocks. They're probably still reminiscing and sharing the story of when the angel came to them and the Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, I have good news. A Savior has been born for all people. And last week, we learned about Simeon and Anna. And if I had to guess, we could probably say that Simeon, he is either still praising God with everything he's got, or he's passed away quietly in the peace knowing that the promise that God made to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah has been fulfilled. We could speculate the prophet, prophetess Anna that she's still in the temple night and day praising and worshiping God and fasting. She's praying and fasting about all the events that happen as she anticipates the coming redemption of the world. King Herod, he's most likely still disturbed by the Magi's visit to Jerusalem where they inquired about the one who was to be born king of the Jews. Herod probably now has guards on post who are ready and waiting for the Magi to return and reveal the location of this newborn king under the false pretense that he wants to go and worship him. So the Magi... They're non-Jewish people from the East, have just left, they literally just left Joseph and Mary and Jesus and have begun their journey back home. 
They also heeded a warning that God gave them in a dream not to return the same way, not to go back to Herod. So they traveled home using a different route. They were overjoyed that they completed their very long mission, following the star in the sky that announced the birth of the true king. They are thankful for the opportunity that they had to worship him and present him with gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Joseph and Mary, wow, they are just treasuring all these things up in their heart. They're probably still a little overwhelmed, I mean, first child and all, and not just that, but their parents of the Savior of the world talk about pressure. Maybe they were a little alarmed when they heard the Magi stopped in Jerusalem to inquire about Jesus' birth. Either way, we know that they were amazed by all the events that happen and have taken place. The angel's birth announcement to the shepherd, the prophetic words spoken about Jesus by Simeon and Anna, the magi, grown dignitaries coming and bowing down and worshiping before Jesus, who is a mere child. And then we have us. The presents have been exchanged. We're back to life as we know it, with all the ups and the downs, the joys and the heartache, the excitement and the challenges. Now here's a question for you. Do you have stories from this season past about how knowing Jesus has changed and transformed your life? Do you have any miracles that happen over the Christmas holiday and season? And the other question is, are you sharing them? Are you sharing what difference knowing Jesus has made in your life and others? So our story picks up today in the book of Matthew. This is the first book of the New Testament of the good news of Jesus the Messiah. We read, When they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, say it with me, out of Egypt I called my son. So Joseph and Mary, they weren't expecting what happened next, just after the Magi left them. Just after that, they snuggled into bed that night. That very night, an angel of the Lord came and spoke to Joseph in a dream. And yes, an angel of the Lord. Dreams, they're just one way that God speaks to us, his people. God speaks to us through a variety of other means, too. For instance, through reading the Bible, visions, an audible voice, gut feelings, impressions, other people, songs, and many other ways. I know God has spoken to me through many of these means. However, I've not heard an audible voice yet. How does God speak to you? In this case, God spoke to Joseph through an angel in a dream. The angel said, get up and go, not just that, but escape to Egypt. Herod will search for the child to kill him. 
Sounds more like a nightmare to me. We have to love Joseph's faith and his obedience. He does not question the angel's instructions. He chooses to act immediately, knowing danger is imminent. He got up, packed up, and they are now on the run as they escape to Egypt. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Can you imagine having to escape like that? Have you ever felt like danger was imminent and you just needed to get out of where you are? I know I've felt that way before. So Greg and Tracy Peterson, they attend here at Connection and they're also in Dave and I's small group. They gave me permission to share this story. Last year, their two kids were having a sleepover with friends of theirs, Bill and Anita. Gigi, their youngest daughter, couldn't sleep that night. She was just so upset. All she wanted to do was go home. I actually think for her it was an early warning sign. Greg and Tracy came and picked her up at one in the morning, and they left their son Gregory there with their friends. Two hours later, Bill, the husband, he wakes up out of a dead sleep. He totally knows it was God, and he senses that something is drastically wrong. He goes downstairs. He discovers the house is on fire, and he escapes with his family, his wife, his two kids, and Gregory. So just as God can speak to us in our dreams, God can also wake us up in the middle of the night to speak to us. I don't know if he's ever done that to you, but he has woken me up before. In this case, God woke him up. Here's the thing that allowed their safe escape. God woke him up before the fire alarm went off. Valuable seconds that they needed. According to the firemen on the scene, everyone got out of the house safely with only seconds to spare. So as we move back now to our scripture, I want to highlight a couple things about the angel's instructions, how specific the angel's instructions were. The angel said to them, stay there and wait until I tell you. The angel was essentially saying, saying wait in Egypt until you hear back from me, which is code for don't go back if you hear it for some, from someone else. Don't go back if you think it's safe. Don't be deceived. Don't take matters into your own hands. Wait until I tell you. What about us? Are we willing to wait until God tells us to move on? Are we willing to be patient even when we think the coast is clear? Even though there might not be any obstacles in our way? Are we willing to wait on the Lord, whatever he's asking us to wait for? So when Herod realizes that he had been outwitted by the Magi, that is, when Herod realized the Magi weren't coming back to share the location of the newborn king of the Jews, he was furious. 
And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So in stark contrast, here we have Herod who is plotting the killing of baby boys in Bethlehem and vicinity. Herod is a tyrant king appointed by the Roman government over the province of Judea. He was called Herod the Great for his impressive building projects. Herod's loyalty, however, was primarily to himself and to Rome. His loyalty was not with God. So take a moment and look for yourself in your life. How would you respond if your livelihood was being threatened? Do you know where your loyalty is? Is it in money or power or something else or someone else that we have allowed to become king in our life? It's always good to take inventory. So other historical texts mention Herod's absolutely cruel nature, how he would not hesitate to eliminate any threats that got in the way of his reign and power. He actually murdered one of his wives, several sons, family members, and others who appeared to threaten his leadership. Just pure evil. Given his lack of moral values, it would not be surprising that he would order the senseless killing of all the boys in the area who were two years old and younger. Two years old and younger was Herod's guess from the time the Magi had first seen the star in the sky announcing the birth of Jesus. See, the people back then, including Herod, did not understand that the Messiah was not going to be an earthly king. We know Jesus is the heavenly king and Lord of lords of everything. We are reminded very quickly by Herod's choice to solve the perceived threat to his kingship just how evil humanity, you and I, can become when we allow our sinful nature to reign unchecked. We are capable of doing evil, capable of doing things that are hurtful and harmful and completely heinous acts. You guys know that. We see it on the news all the time, just the amount of evil we're capable of. Well, Dallas Willard, who is a Christian author, wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. In it, he writes, the evil that we do in our present condition is a reflection of a weakness caused by spiritual starvation. Let's say that together. The evil that we do in our present condition is a reflection of a weakness caused by spiritual starvation. 
So as I reflected on this statement, I began to realize there is a direct correlation between the degree to which we are spiritually starved and the degree of evil and harm we are actually capable of. The more spiritually starved we are, the greater the evil inside us. The less spiritually starved we are, the less evil we are capable of. For instance, I have done harmful things in the past that I would not dream of doing today because I'm, more, I'm not spiritually deprived like I was back then. There's like this continuum of spiritual starvation on the one side and spiritual nourishment being like a well-watered garden on the other side. The bottom line is we're all capable of doing both good and evil. All of us have chosen to do things that are hurtful and harmful to others. Now my evil, sinful nature, one time fueled by teenage hormones and some alcohol, I will say it's always bad when we fuel our sinful nature with alcohol or mind-altering drugs. It never turns out good. One time, it had me literally punch another girl in the face unprovoked for absolutely no reason other than me feeling inferior and less than her. That was a time in my life when I was truly spiritually starving and shriveling. My spirit was starving and shriveling and dying. Many of you might not believe that I would actually punch somebody in the face, but I did. Now, I hope you all know that I would not do that today because I'm a little more over here on the continuum. Praise God. Absolutely, praise God. So as believers, sin and evil are like poison in our system. And it's a warning that we are depriving ourselves of spiritual food. Eventually, if we don't get fed spiritually, the evil within us will grow and leaving a trail of injured people behind us, including ourselves, will be one of those victims. So the question is, is are you spiritually starving or are you being nourished? Are you spiritually, where are you in the continuum? Spiritual starvation over here or spiritual nourishment where you are a well-watered garden that is just creating all this incredible good fruit? Where are you on the line? We're all at different places, but it's good to notice. Another way to look at this is when you look at the people in your life, your spouse, your children, your family, friends, coworkers, classmates, neighbors, are they being hurt and injured because of your actions, because of your spiritual depravity? Or are they being healed and nurtured by your spiritual nurture, nourishment? So Herod, we could say, is pretty much spiritually dead, 
and therefore he is totally blinded by the sin and evil within him. He is furious when he realizes he has been outwitted by the Magi. I can just imagine his internal voice. I'll show them. They can't outwit me. I'll kill all the babies in the area who are two years old and younger. Instead of one child dying, there will be many. And it will be their fault for not coming back to tell me where, the, where this king was born. Now, ironically, Herod is trying to kill the one person, the one person who can offer him more than any worldly power, prestige, money, or kingship can offer. He's trying to kill the one who can give him new life. Now, here's the thing with this passage. This is a really tough passage. It highlights the reality of the kind of world we live in. Families were devastated when Herod sent his troops into Bethlehem and vicinity to kill those babies. How do we deal with this? On the one hand, we are rejoicing over the Savior, the birth of him. We're rejoicing that we have new life in Christ. And in the midst of that rejoicing, historians, what, hap historians, what they call the massacre of the innocents occurs. On the one hand, we have Joseph, Mary, and Jesus who escaped the massacre. And then on the other hand, we have families that did not. We hear God's stories from people from time to time of those who escape tragedy, just like Greg and Tracy and their friends. And then we hear the stories of the people that were not, that did not escape. How do we deal with this? We're faced with the realities of good and evil, light and darkness, blessing and tragedy, love and hate in the world we live in. The bottom line is we know that evil and the effects of sin will continue in the world until Jesus' final return. We know that. We live in the time of what we call both now and not yet. The kingdom of God is coming now, but it's not yet complete. But the good news, there is good news in the midst of this. The good news is, is we know that there's more light than dark. And in the end, we know that darkness cannot overpower the light. We know who wins. God wins. But what do we do until that time? What do we do until that time? Well, we continue to do what we talked about last week. We choose. It is a choice. We choose to love God with everything we've got, and we choose to love our neighbor as ourselves. We choose to rejoice and celebrate and give thanks for the, family who's, the families who escaped. And then we choose. It is a choice. We choose to mourn, support, and cry with the families who did not. We choose to walk alongside them in their hurt and pain. We choose to love them. 
So every day we are faced with choices, each and every one of us, thousands of choices we are faced with. Choices to follow God or not. Choices to be light in a dark world or not. Choices to overcome evil with good or not. And one of the ways we choose God is by making sure that we are being spiritually fed and nourished. And not just here on Sunday morning, but we're talking about through the week. We would never recommend to anyone that they eat food one day a week and then starve the other six. But many times that's what we do when we come to church. We come here, we get our spiritual nourishment, our food for the week, and then we start to starve ourselves the other six days. To thrive spiritually, we need to eat spiritual food. We need to be nourished by God and his word on a regular basis, and that means spending time with God regularly, every day. You know, I don't know where you put yourself on that spiritual continuum from starvation to, like, fully nourished, well-watered garden. But the purpose of nourishing ourselves spiritually is to keep moving along the continuum, not to get, okay, I'm here today, and then by Saturday, I'm, like, over here in starvation mode. The other thing to remember is that the amount of evil being expressed in the world is a direct reflection of the amount of spiritual depravity within us and the lives of those around us. We have a responsibility to be light in a dark and spiritually deprived world. Let's say that together. We have a responsibility to be the light in a dark and spiritually deprived world. Not only that, but we have the responsibility to pass along and share the spiritual nourishment and food we have received with others. There are people in our families, in our workplaces, in our community that are over here and they are just starving spiritually. We have a responsibility to pass along the spiritual nourishment we get. We need to take the time to pass it along to those we encounter. We need to notice the spiritually hungry. We need to open our eyes. We need to pray about, how, God, how do you want, what's the morsel you want me to feed this person today? Because most of the world, they aren't sitting in here on Sunday morning. This is a choice. Feeding yourself spiritually and taking responsibility to help feed others in a spiritually deprived world, it is a choice. It is an intentional choice that we have to make. You know, first we have to make the choice for ourselves. I don't know how many times I talk to people and I ask them, you know, about their devotional time and they're not reading the Bible, they're not doing anything, they just can't do it. And the enemy doesn't want us to do that. It's an intentional choice. We have to make the choice and make the time to sit down and feed ourselves. Just imagine if we all did that. If we all chose to do that, 
Just imagine if instead of avoiding or not seeing or judging the spiritually deprived in the around the world that we choose to nurture them and ourselves. Just imagine if we choose to keep moving ourselves and nurture ourselves. What kind of difference that would make? I really wonder if it would, made, would have made a difference for Herod. If somebody noticed him, maybe as he was growing up, that he, he was spiritually deprived and if somebody started feeding him spiritually, I want to believe it would have made a difference in him. And I believe it can make a difference in the people around us. So here's the thing to remember. The darkness can never overpower the light. The darkness cannot overpower the light. You know, I said that word never, and then I realized that's not true. The darkness cannot overpower the light. It might from time to time, but it cannot overpower the light. But in order for that to happen, our light has to be shining. And the spiritual food that we eat during the week is only one source of the making our lights brighter. We know the main source is when we receive Jesus into our heart and we get the deposit of the Holy Spirit and we are actually given the light. We are the light. And the more spiritually nourished we get, the brighter our light will shine. So how bright is your light and will you choose to share it with those around you? This is by the numbers today. We have two choices. Follow God and be nourished or not. What will you choose? Let's pray. Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we love you. Lord, this has been a hard message, facing the realities of good and evil in the world. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us has received a word today, a nudge, a conviction, a morsel of spiritual nourishment and food. I pray that our lights would become brighter as we make intentional time to spend time with you, Lord. Lord, I also lift up the prayers of any, everyone in here, anything that's on our hearts, the things we're struggling with. We give those things to you, Lord. Your word says that you will never forsake us or leave us even in the midst of our challenges. So Lord, we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-769.